Hi, I'm Olaomi Brigway, and I began to experience all-round supernatural success in my life when I finally accepted that no matter how hard a person works, they will never rise above the level of thinking. Are you looking for transformation from the inside out? Then join me on the Super Abundant Life podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Super Abundant Life podcast, where we tackle real issues by examining the lives of real people and extracting real life solutions that are rooted in the wisdom of God. This is your host, Olaomi Brigway. Hi and welcome again. Welcome to another episode of the Super Abundant Life podcast. It is my absolute pleasure to bring you another episode. Thank you for tuning in week in, week out. Thank you for sharing the podcast and also thank you for your feedback. It's very important to me that the podcast is relevant. Um, I'm not doing a podcast just for the sake of doing a podcast. Even though I love podcasts, um, I'm not doing it simply because I want to do a podcast. I'm doing it because I want it to be relevant. I want it to answer questions. I want it to help people. Um, so if you actually do have a question or something, a topic that you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, then please, please feel free and send it to me either via social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Messenger, allow me, Brigway. Or you can send an email to contact at allowmebrigway.com. Awesome. Now this week, <laughs> we're going to be talking on um, a subject that I've titled, Why You Are Killing It Here, But Drowning There. Um, why You Are Killing It Here, <laughs> But Drowning There. And, you know, as a part of that, we're also going to be talking about the key, the secret key to all-round success. Now, what do I mean by that? I think, you know, the, the title essentially gives it away. I'm talking about how, have you noticed, you know, let, let's start on like a global stage. You see all these like famous people, celebrities that are gorgeous. Yeah, let's, let's take Hollywood, for example. You have all these, you know, gorgeous people. Uh, and they seem to have it all. They have wonderful careers. They have all the money. But then you, you know, you hear almost week by week or almost on a daily basis how, okay, this one's married as, you know, falling apart or how, okay, this one is um, addicted to some kind of substance or whatever it is. There's, there seems to always be a but, right? Um, in spite of the success, there seems to always be an area that just doesn't seem to be matching up. And for the ones, to be honest with you, that, you know, they're presenting, putting up the appearance that everything is perfect. It really is not because the truth is every human being has something that they're dealing with. And that is a fact of life. But I begin to think and I begin to wonder. So let's take Oprah, for example. I mean, Oprah is, is a fantastic person. You know, she's, she's achieved um, the kind of success, right? Measuring by what we tend to measure success by that many people may not ever achieve. You know, she's, she's done very well. She's, um, made a lot of impact, a huge impact in her time and probably even beyond her time. But as we all know, 
Oprah as, you know, for as long as we, you know, we, I can remember, she's always struggled with her weight. And I keep thinking, how is someone that is killing it, you know, in, in her career, in whatever it is, maybe, you know, steady family life, whatever it is. But how is it possible that she's not able to literally take control of her weight and just say, oh, okay, I'm just going to go and lose this weight. And why is that still a struggle? And that's one we see, as I was, you know, saying, some people are dealing with substance abuse. Um, there's some, you know, bringing it down to maybe our own day to day. Uh, you, you know, someone that's absolutely killing it in their career and they're doing extremely well, but their marriage is in shambles. You know, I use myself as an example. Weight for me is something that I've struggled with pretty much all of my life. Um, it's, 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 it hasn't, you know, naturally come to me in terms of maintaining a fit and healthy lifestyle. It's something that I've literally, you know, like being like Oprah, like up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. I'm like, sometimes it baffles me. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> In some areas, you know, you're like, yeah, yeah, outstanding. You're just flowing. Everything is absolutely wonderful. You get in there and boom, you achieve outstanding success. But in this particular area, you, you know, like you move 10 steps forward. And then before you know it, you've moved, you know, 12 steps back. And you're like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. For some people, they are absolutely wonderful. Um, with regards to family that, you know, their children are doing amazingly. Um, their, their marriage is solid, but they've never really been able to get ahead in their career. That is what I mean by you are killing it in one area, but then you look at another area of your life and it looks as if you're drowning. You're barely making any progress. Why is that? Why is that? That's all we're going to be addressing today. And also, as I said, the second part of it, we're going to look at how to actually, there's a, there's a secret to it. There's a secret key to bringing all areas of your life into abundance or to achieve all round success. Okay. And that is what I'm going to be discussing today. All right. Now I want, I wanted to start off with, <laughs> with the Bible today. And there's a you know very interesting case study in the Bible about someone who was absolutely killing it. I mean, this guy was like, you know, top of the top, the best of the best at what he did at that point in time. But then something happened and there was a switch and <laughs> all of a sudden someone that was you know, absolutely strong and dominating his field turned into jelly. And you may know who I'm talking about. And the person was Elijah. If you know the story of Elijah, if you go and read first, first King 17 talks about how Elijah lit as in on his own, this guy went into prayer. The Bible, you know, James talks about how he went into prayer and he prayed that it would not rain. And for three and a half years, he stopped rain. Can you believe that? As in this guy was that powerful. He was that much on top of his game. As a prophet, as a prophet, he was killing it. He prayed as an intercessor, you know, he saw what God wanted to do and he keyed into it, prayed and he said, it's not going to rain. And it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then again, when God was like, okay, yes, I, you know, I'm going to turn things around and God brought him into an awareness of that. He went and he prayed again and he called fire down 
from heaven. If, if that's not killing it, I don't know what it is. <laughs> right? He was absolutely at the top of his game. He knew what he was doing. He was confident in that particular area of being a prophet, of keying into the things of God and declaring it and seeing it happen. There was not an ounce of doubt. He was extremely, superbly confident in that area. Abi? Yeah, he was. He was. He only had to say something and boom, it happened. The same way someone might say, oh, you know, you look at you, 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 look, you may look at your own life. And what I'm saying applies to every single person on the face of this earth. If anyone is putting up an appearance that they're killing it in every, every area without the secret ingredient that I'm sharing today, it's not true. It's not true because every single person on earth has to deal with this where there's certain areas where you're just doing extremely well. But then if you look at other areas, are like, ah, if it's, if we are to judge it by this area, why is this one like has K leg like this? Why is, you know, why, why? I don't understand it. That's what I mean. All right. And the other, um, perspective that I want to bring that is also not true is you cannot tell me that every part of your life, your whole life is crumbling and there's nothing good happening. No, there will always be something somewhere where you're absolutely killing it. At the same time, there will be something somewhere where you're struggling, where you will at times feel like you're drowning, you know? Okay, so Elijah was absolutely killing it. He called on fire. In fact, this was how outrageous his success was. The Bible talks about how by himself with a sword, right? He killed 400 prophets of Baal. As in the, the, something came upon the guy. As in, <laughs> he went and he gathered, he rounded up all the, all the prophets of Baal, the idol worshippers. And as per the instruction of God, he literally just like killed them, executed them. I was like, I'm Elijah, right? I, I, you know, (laughs) king of the jungle. That's how he felt at that point in time. But not long after that, the Bible says that Ahab, after everything that happened, went home to Jezebel, his wife, and told Jezebel everything that happened, right? So the Bible says, so everything I'm going to be taking about, you know, talking about regarding Elijah's life is from 1 Kings 19. So if you want to go back and study that on your own. So it says, Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. <laughs> Listen to this. It says, may the God strike me and even kill me. If by this time tomorrow I have not killed you, just as you killed them, them referring to the prophets of Baal. Now, excuse me, excuse me. Somebody that just called down fire from heaven, somebody that at his word, it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then again, at his word, it rained, right? Now, a threat comes from somewhere else. And the person that was superbly confident, absolutely confident and killing it in one area, guess what he did? He says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba and he left his servant there. As in, he was like, hey, servant, you're your own. As in, he ran away. He ran away. He went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down on the solitary broom tree and prayed to the Lord that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. <laughs> for I'm not better than my ancestors who already died. I mean, it's, it's what we're saying. How can you reconcile the Elijah that is killing it 
as a prophet and the leader that does not know how to deal with conflict or confrontation because that's pretty much what it is when it came to dealing with face-to-face confrontation he ran away he was like no i can't I, I i don't like conflict i don't want to deal with conflict right but when it came to like oh i'm going to speak the word and it's going to happen i'm a prophet right when he came to the place of prayer he was king but to stand and talk to a woman and say no you're not going to kill me no 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 i'm a prophet no he couldn't he was absolutely drowning in that particular area. He said, take my life. And he went into self-pity, all sorts of faulty attitudes. And you're like, wait a minute. How is that even possible? But it is. It is. Look at your own life and you will see what I'm saying. There's some things where, you know, so, some, you know, when people observe your life, they're like, ah, but how are you doing it? In those areas where you're absolutely flying. Everything is just flying. People can't understand how you are able to achieve such, such successes. But in your mind, you might be someone that is crippled by fear. You might be someone that, do you understand? Whatever area of life you might be, you might be depressed, but absolutely killing it at work. Right? You might be the best mother, but you have no money. And you don't know you've been locked in that financial um, trap for years. You don't know how to break out of it. That is what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. In fact, let me keep going. That's not even the end of Elijah's pity party. Okay. Then, you know, uh, going further down in first Kings 19, he went and God found him and God said, what are you doing here? Elijah? Said, hey guy, why are you here? Why did you run away? And again, he continued his pity party. He said, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've turned down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. <sighs> did you not know that he was the only one left when he was calling fire down? I mean, what's one thing got to do with another? Nothing. Absolutely nothing, but he, there was an area of strength where he was absolutely confident, but then there was also an area of weakness where he was literally turned into jelly and the confidence evaporated. The first thing I want to address and I want to help us to see today is it's, it's normal. It's normal. Every single person on the face of the earth, you cannot be strong in everything on your own. There is a secret to being able to bring the areas of your life into abundance, but on your own, you can't. But as, just, as a starting point, there will always be something, there will be areas where you're stronger compared to others. And I'm going to unveil all of that as we go along. Now, you know, based on what we've read so far about Elijah, and I'm still going to come back and talk about Elijah, there are three faulty attitudes that I want to, first of all, highlight in terms of the way we, you know, react to areas of struggle, the way we react to areas of struggle. So very faulty mindsets that are holding people down because remember, you're not actually supposed to stay there. You're not. So for example, if it's your health, you know, for me now, like I said, this is as in ever since I was a child, I was severely overweight as a child. <laughs> My my parents just, you know, they, they, I, they, they just get feeding me. I don't know. Do you understand? But as a result, I, I've, it's been up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Right. So will I now say, oh, okay. 
well, I'm killing it in all these other areas. Weight loss or health doesn't matter. Ah, I can't do that. I can't leave it. I can't say, forget health. I have to keep going. I have to keep pushing, right? Until I bring it into abundance or some level of abundance, right? That's what I mean. However, we can be trapped in that place where you have an area of struggle, but you, you get to the point where you don't even want to do anything about it. And there are three faulty minded that will keep you trapped in that area of struggle. And the first one, this is in terms of the way Elijah responded, the way he responded because he didn't respond the right way. And I'll prove that to you shortly. He didn't respond the right way. He didn't respond the right way. The first one is denial, meaning you're pretending not to care. Oh, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you care. The thing is like, <laughs> you're, you're sad about it inside, but you're like, Oh no, no, no. It's okay. You know, I'm absolutely killing it in this other area. It, this one doesn't matter. You know, it's like me saying, Oh, it doesn't matter. I don't, you know, I don't, I, I don't have to worry about my weight or whatever. I don't have to be healthy and fit. No, it's not true. If you, no matter how much money Oprah has, if you go and ask her today, Will she, will she ever get to the point where she'll say, listen, even if I'm 500 pounds, it doesn't matter. Never. I can't, you know, no, because she wants to improve. She will never leave that area and say, okay, listen, do you know what? Everybody on earth almost knows my name. Almost everyone on earth knows my name. I have billions of dollars. Why do I care if one area is just like that? No. You're supposed to bring that area also into abundance, but there are ways to do it. So one of the first things, the faulty mindset and attitudes that we have to areas that we're struggling in is people begin, they're in denial. So someone that doesn't have two cents to rub together, they're struggling financially, but then they'll start talking against people that are, you know, having nice things or building, living nice houses or driving nice cars. Say, oh, oh, you know, deceitfulness of riches, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. Why do you need that much money anyway? They desire it, but because they have failed so many times in trying to get it, they've now settled into the point where they are pretending they're wearing a mask and they're repeatedly telling themselves that it doesn't matter, but it's not true. It does matter. So the first one is denial, denial. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. You, you're trying to progress in your career. You've been told that many times you're stuck in the job or whatever it is. Like eh, who wants a promotion anyway? All this, you know, all these leadership management things, you know, they'll just, you know, it's too much stress. It's too much stress. I just don't, it's not true. If you check properly, that person really does want to progress. It is because the hope deferred hope has been deferred so many times. The heart has become sick. And they're now in denial. They're wearing a mask. That's the first faulty attitude or response to an area of struggle. The second one, again, as I am extracting this from observing, um, from, you know, different experiences, observing people, and also from the way Elijah responded. The second one is the victim mentality or apportioning blame. So Elijah was like, oh, you people, they've turned out all the, you know, the altars, they're, they're worshiping Baal, you know, I'm the only one left and all that. So apportioning blame, why is this happening to me? Like throwing a pity party, throwing a pity party. It's like, why? I don't deserve this. Why is this happening to me? Why is this? Why can't I just get this right? After all, I'm killing it in these other areas. Why can't I get it right? Why can't I get it? And you begin to apportion blame. You don't take personal responsibility for where you are, but you're apportioning blame. 
you blame other people. You say, oh, it's because, you know, it's because I'm black. That's why they're not promoting me. It's because, oh, this or that. It's because, you know, the economy or whatever it is. In, my, in that same economy, people are progressing financially. Oh, my own situation. When you hear people saying things like, oh, my own case is different. You know, I know it works for you, but my own is different. You have to be careful because that is a victim mindset. And a victim mindset will keep somebody locked and trapped in an area where they're struggling and they will not make progress. So that's the second one. Victim mindset and apportioning blame, assigning blame to other people. Uh, it's them, it's them. It's be, if you can just deal with all these people, I'll be fine. No, even if you make all the conditions right on the outside, you will still not be fine because it's an internal issue. It is not an external issue. And the third one was when Elijah said, just kill me. It, there's no, God, do you know what? There's no point. Just kill me. Take me to my, like my father's. You, you know, I'm not better than my father. Just kill me. And this is resignation. Resignation, when you literally settle into it and say, well, this is my lot in life. I can't really, you know, deal with this area. I'll just focus. And I I was here. I was here. Several, you know, not several years. Probably, yeah, maybe 10 years ago or something. I was there where, for me, regarding marriage, I was just like, oh, do you know what? Let's just be killing it in career. Let's be killing it in finances. You know, whatever it is, I have my child or whatever it is. But this marriage thing, because of how life had beaten me, what I, my experiences and what I had gone through, I did not think in my mind that I was deserving of a good marriage. So I thought, well, the ship has sailed. It's done. It's over for me. Where marriage is concerned, let's just leave it. So it's resignation settling into it and adapting into something that is not meant to be that way. Right? So Elijah said, God, just kill me. Just kill me. There's no, there's no point. This thing cannot improve ever. So those are 40 attitudes and mindsets that will just keep you stuck in that place of struggle. Even if you continue to kill it somewhere, you're actually shortchanging yourself because God never said, okay, um, I'm going to prosper you in your finances, but you know, that health one, forget it. That's, that's being greedy. Just take finance, just take career and finance and leave health. No, God wants to bring us into super abundance in all areas of our lives. In all areas, it says that great will be your peace. That peace is talking about prosperity in all things. It says, um, how does it say? It says, um, complete and lacking nothing. That you may be thoroughly furnished in every good thing, lacking nothing. That is God's will for us. So when we hold on to one of these or even three or all of these 40 mindsets and attitudes towards an area of struggle, then it's very difficult to move forward into, into abundance in that area. And that's where Elijah was. Now, I boldly say that Elijah got it wrong. He got it wrong. The way he responded to an area of struggle was not the way he was supposed to respond by all those things that he was saying. And how do I know? How do I know? Do you know that that was the end for Elijah? If you read 1 Kings 19, God's instruction to Elijah after all that was this. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go and anoint Hazel as king of Syria. Anoint Jehu as king over Israel. And anoint Elisha to take your place as prophet. 
that was the end for Elijah because he went and he anointed Elisha and then he threw the mantle on him and then chariots of fire or chariots, whatever, <laughs> came and carried him to heaven. And that was the end of his assignment. That was literally the end of his assignment because he got to the point where he became so fixated on that area of struggle. In fact, he forgot that he's killing it in some areas. And uh, if I'm killing it in this area and I'm drowning here, then it means that, listen, it does. my whole life is not drowning, which is another thing that I talked about. You become so fixated and because, you know, say, oh, I'm not married yet. But you have a beautiful career. You have, your career is flourishing. But because, oh, I'm not married yet, you think your whole life is finished. No, that's what Elijah, Elijah did. He forgot that he was a prophet that would speak a word and there was nothing, no one that could stop that word from coming to pass. He forgot all that and he became so fixated. His mind was wrapped in that one area that was not working that he colored his whole life, his whole life with that one area, right? And God said, it's time for you to come. You finished. I can't do anything else with you if you stay in that state. And God said, go and anoint somebody else to take your place. Now, I'm going to keep reading. So it says that God, you know, after I said, anoint this one. So there are three people that he raised, that he told Elijah to go and anoint. He now said, Jehu will kill anyone who escapes Hazel's sword. And Elisha will kill anyone who escapes Jehu's sword. I still have left in Israel 7,000 followers who have not bowed their knees to Baal or kissed the images of him. Hmm. And guess what? Elijah was saying, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left. That's why he genuinely believed he could not overcome Jezebel. That's why he genuinely believed that his life was over. Because he thought he had to fight by himself. But what God, God is very strategic. When you read the Bible, it's not just like telling a story. It is literally a book of wisdom that is telling you, okay, God, God was saying, this is my, this thing that you're complaining about. This is actually my solution. And what was God's solution? Relationships, a support network, right? Look, look at what God immediately said. He said, anoint three people and these three people will work side by side and back to back. So that nothing will be able to escape them. Meaning, if something comes up against Jehu, that he's like, oh, you know, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. He said, um, Hazel will deal with it. And if Hazel and Jehu put together, come up in the place where they are drowning, he said, there's Elisha that will back them up. So God was basically saying to Elijah, where you have missed it is because you have isolated yourself. You have come to the point where you believed that this area where you're struggling in, it is your own area of struggle alone. You believe that you were alone. There was nobody else that could support you. Because guess what? If Elijah had gone to the 7,000 prophets of God that had not, that were basically saying, by saying they had not bowed their knees to Baal, he was, God was basically saying they're loyal to me. If there are 7,000 of them plus Elijah, do you think Elijah would have been able to stand up to Jezebel? Absolutely. But he thought, no. <laughs> It's just me. It's just me. So Elijah tried to be a lone ranger and it effectively ended his time on earth. It ended his ministry. It ended his ministry. 
it stopped him from being effective from that point on. Now, so coming is what I'm going to say now. When I talk about the secret ingredient or the key to whole, or sorry, to all round success in life, it is relationships. It is relationships. A support network. You can't. You can't do it alone. Remember what I said. Everyone on earth has to deal with this thing I'm talking about today, where you're absolutely killing it in one area, but there's an area that has that has a bit of comma, right? As in things are not as flourishing. So in, in, there are different degrees. So uh, it might be that it's just not flourishing. You're struggling a little bit, but there are some areas whereby, listen, it feels like you're literally drowning. And why did God design it like that? Why is it that if literally everyone on earth, unless they're lying, one of two things, if you find someone that it, what I'm saying does not apply to is one of two things, they're lying. They're saying, posting stuff on Instagram about how every area of their life is beautiful. The marriage is beautiful. They have lots of money. Um, everything is just perfect on Kidori. Do you understand? Everything is perfect. It's either one, they're lying. Or two, they have keyed into this secret that I'm talking about, which is the right support network. And I'm going to break all this down. Why did God design it like that? Why did God design it like that? Why didn't he make each person just like Superman or Superwoman or a superhero? Why didn't he just say that we're all self-sufficient? God never created anybody to be self-sufficient. If you see anyone that says they're self-sufficient, if they're lying. They're lying. In fact, I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I was listening to another podcast and there was a gentleman that was talking and he said very confidently, he said one of the things that he was most proud of in his life, most proud of in his entire life is that nobody gave him anything. Nobody helped him get to where he was. He said that even when he was married, because he was divorced, obviously, (laughs) If you're talking and thinking like that, say even when he was married, that his wife did not contribute a single cent into the marriage, that he was the one that was working, da, 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 he was the one that built everything. And to date, he said he cannot, that as a child, he was selling newspapers, he was doing this, was hustling, making his own money. Nobody ever did anything for him. And I thought, wow, <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. There's no human being that can claim to be self-sufficient. When God created Adam and Adam was by himself, God said, it is not good. It is not good for man to be alone. Think about Adam. He he brought Eve. He said, Eve, Eve has to come because this guy can't, he cannot function on his own. It's not possible for him to be self-sufficient. He needs Eve. I mean, think about Jesus. Jesus is the perfect example of God in us, God in a human being. He came and he demonstrated how we should walk on this earth as carriers of God, right? And even Jesus did not do it alone. The Bible talks about how there were several women that supported his ministry, that cooked for him, that funded his ministry, all his travels. And he had the disciples, he had, he, he, he didn't do it alone. Jesus, God, right? Did not do it. He was not self-sufficient. Jesus was not self-sufficient. And you think you can be self-sufficient? You don't need anybody? It's not possible. It is absolutely impossible. Think about Paul. 
Paul had Timothy, he had uh, Barnabas, he had Apollos, he had all these people that supported him and helped him. So God created it that way. It is God's doing. He's the one that fashioned and designed it that way that nobody should be self-sufficient. And that is why you, you know, he gave, the Bible talks about how he gave gifts. So you have certain gifts that other people don't have and other people have gifts that you don't have so that the whole body talks about in the bible in the new testament how each part supplies its own so that you can grow and be built up together that's what the bible says so i bring my own expertise you bring your own expertise and your own expertise will make up for my own weakness my expertise will make up for your weakness and that is how we will grow together god is body conscious in the sense that he's he god does not do all this lone ranger i'm a superwoman i'm a superman i don't need anybody you know, you're having challenges and nobody knows about it. I'm going to pray by myself and push it through. Nobody knows about it. You don't see that anywhere in the Bible. You don't see it anywhere. He didn't model it for us in the Bible. So why should we have that kind of mindset? We're not supposed to. God said it is not good. For man to be alone. That's not just talking about, oh, I need a woman to be able to give, make babies. No, he's talking about human relationships. You can't do it on your own. Now, why is it important, right? For us to understand, if you understand this principle that I'm talking about, the reason why I do this podcast mainly, primarily is to shift mindsets, right? I might give tips and action steps, but primarily is to bring clarity, is to help us think in a different way. If you understand what I'm talking about, two things will happen. Number one, you will have no reason to boast about your strength because you know that it's for somebody else. You were given that strength to build up somebody else. That's number one. And number two, you will have no reason to be ashamed about your weakness because somebody has been equipped with the strength to build you up. Because that's how God designed it. Competition will be out completely. That's how God designed it. It is human beings that have dis- created this idea that, listen, hide the parts that are not working. Right? Hide it. And come and present yourself as superwoman i have everything together just by myself i'm the one that is making it happen that's a man-made system the god-made system says each part supplies its part so that we can all grow and be built up together that was how god designed it if we remove ourselves from that system we go into the system of selfishness and what happens when Adam removed himself from the system of God, shame came in. So shame comes in. You have an issue, but you don't want to, you don't want people to know. You want to present this facade that everything's perfect. No, you are killing it in some areas. We celebrate you for that, but then there are areas where you are drowning and you're struggling, and you have to be able to open up to receive the strength that God has put in another human being for you. Ecclesiastes, I'm going to read that 9 to 12, says two people are better off than one. 
for they can help each other succeed. If one person fails, falls, the other can reach out and help. That's God's system. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back. The, the system that God was using to correct Elijah, that you, you, you're alone, Renjabi. No, you're the only one. I'm the only one left. God said, no, it's not. That's not how I built it. That's not my system. You have Jehu, you have Hazel, and then you have Elisha back to back as a network. That's how I designed it. It says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. That is God's system. So if you've ever gotten to the point where number one, you feel like, Oh, this, this thing that I'm struggling with, just, you know, just, just, you know, I'm happy with the other areas that are working well. No, that's the first thing. No, right. Nothing missing, nothing broken. That is God's plan of peace for us, right? Nothing missing, nothing broken. Said that you be thoroughly furnished in every good work, in every area of your life. That is God's plan. So don't don't settle and say, "Well, you know, it's this, it's fine. This this areas I have my children. My children are healthy. Are doing excellently. But I've never really been able to make any headway in my career or business. It's okay as long as I have my children. No, no, no. Especially if it's important to you." Remember, I'm talking about something that you truly want, but because hope has been deferred so many times, the heart has become sick that you just want to settle, that you just want to settle into it, right? You just want to settle into it. Now, the next thing that we're going to talk about now is getting into that abundance, getting into abundance. And I've already unveiled how God originally planned for it to happen. His MO, right? How God designed for it to happen. I mean, from the very beginning, Adam, sorry, you can't be alone. I need to bring Eve. If you're going to multiply. And do you know what? This actually perfectly illustrates what I'm talking about today. Adam we could say was killing it in his career. He was tending the garden. God brought all the animals. The guy, he named all the animals. He declared what their DNA would be, what their characteristics. He named them. I believe that's when the Bible says he named them. I don't, I don't think it's okay. You, you are giraffe or elephant because they, they have different languages now. They're called different names. <laughs> so I'm like, how can you be giraffe and elephant and dog? I think what what that what what he meant when God said he named them was he he dis, he spoke about what their characteristics are as in you okay you're a lion this is how you're going to do right I think that that's just my own opinion <laughs> but anyway he was already killing it I mean imagine all the animals in the world and he would come and he would name every single one the garden was beautiful flourishing. But then on this other side were children. Nothing. He said he, he looked at all the animals and he couldn't find something suitable. So he, he was aching. There was an ache. That's what I'm talking about. Where you have an ache for something, right? It's going to come through connection, relationships. 
And God brought someone into his life. So God wants to do it through relationships. And I'm going to break it down to explain what I mean by that. So practical steps that will help you bring every area of your life, the ones that you desire, right, into abundance. Okay. The first thing you need to do is, so you look at an area where you're drowning, you know, in keeping with the title that I used today, right? So you're killing some areas, fine, enjoy your success. Don't hide that one too, because your strength is for someone. So share and empower other people with your area of strength. But we're, we're not talking about that today. We're talking about that area where you ache for it. You desire it. The heart may have even become sick as a result of hope deferred. It's not like you want it to be like that, but you haven't been able to find a way, right? The first thing you need to do is to assess the situation. Okay. Should this even be something you're supposed to be involved with. So you're asking yourself this question. This thing that I say that I want, is it even something that I'm supposed to be going after? Or is it simply because other people are doing it? Is it peer pressure? If you remember, there was a time when literally everybody was starting a business, you know, the online business boom, etc., etc., And there were people that generally... They, they had no business starting it because they were called into the career field. And they, that is how they, God has called them to make an impact. But because it was just too irresistible, everywhere, everyone was talking about it. People were, you know, what's your gift? What can you sell? I don't know. How can you help people? How can you coach people? And it was so, um, uh, what's the word? <laughs> Uh, widespread. There's a word in my head that's just rolling around somewhere. But let me use this. It was so widespread that it was almost impossible for people not to get caught in it. Do you understand? So some people were like, okay, I want to start a business. But their heart was not really in it. It was because of people were doing it. In fact, I remember <laughs> in my own life, I remember um, most my my entire, well, most of my professional career, I spent in education, secondary school, teaching, etc. And um, there was a time, maybe about the third year or so, into my teaching career, and I was, this thing can be quite deceptive. I genuinely was doing, I was killing it, as in, that is my own, as in, literally, I was killing it in my career. I was doing well. I enjoyed it. I loved what I was doing. Did it have, did I have challenges? Yes. But I enjoy, I even enjoyed the challenges. I had just gained, uh, literally I was, I had just started my teaching career and I'd already gained a promotion into middle management. So I was killing it. I was doing well. But then this was around the time where the IT boom, the IT boom, everybody was into IT or oh, because I did engineering. So a lot of my friends from university, etc., where, you know, they were converting they were you know, doing all the IT, blah, blah, blah. everywhere you turn IT is the thing. And I sort of, for, for a while, I got caught in that. And like, ah, this teacher, I don't know if I want to do teaching. Maybe I should go into IT. That's what, so you know, I started, literally started researching courses. In fact, I remember that day vividly. I had, I, I was inches away from signing up to do like a um, conversion course to leave teaching, to go into IT, but something inside me just did not feel right. I'm like, this doesn't feel right. No, no, no. Like alarm bells, wah, 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 going in my, in my, in my head somewhere. And I was just pulled back. The guy I was talking, I was literally on the phone with someone and all I had to do was say yes. And I would enter into a program that would allow me to convert 
In fact, I in fact I did um what's this thing called? Prince two. As in the full one practitioner or something. I did all that because I'm like I'm I'm going into IT. Huh. But it was not for me. It was simply the pressure of everybody around me talking about it and you know, this is what we're doing, this is blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't for me. And once that sort of um the the cloud cleared away, I'm like, ah, I can see clearly now. <laughs> so I, I was like, no, this is not for me. I'll just be miserable in this thing. So I went back to teaching and I continued my teaching and I continued, you know, killing it in there. That's what I mean. So sometimes what you say you want, you don't really want it. So you need to be able to assess in a brutally honest way. Is it even something that I'm supposed to be going after in the first place? Is it a genuine desire? Is it a genuine desire? All right. Or are you trying, if it's not a genuine desire and you're going after something that doesn't belong to you, you will, ex you can expend as much energy as you want. You will not find what you're looking for. You won't. You might make some money. Okay. For example, if I had gone into IT because of the nature of person I am, I would have been diligent with you. I would have, but I would have been miserable. I would have felt dead inside. So something, imagine living something that you are enjoying and loving. I'm going to go and do some, do you understand? So that thing that you think is going to bring you fulfillment. No, you won't find it there because it wasn't, it doesn't have your name on it. It doesn't have your name on it. So you want to be clear that you are not flogging a dead horse, trying to pursue something that does not belong to you. Samson, leave Delilah alone. Delilah is not yours. I mean, how many opportunities did he need to let him know that this woman is not your own? She just wants to kill you. <laughs> so if that's the first question, if it's something that you're just, you have to be brutally honest. If it's something that you're pursuing simply because of external expectations or you've seen it and you observed it in other people's life, you admire it. You can admire it without jumping into it. If that is the case, then there's only one thing to do. Cut, 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 cut that cord, cut the cord and say, listen, because the, the challenge with holding on to something that doesn't belong to you is you're going to keep trying and you're going to keep failing. And remember the failure I'm talking about is not necessarily external success. So you could actually achieve a level of success, make a lot of money, for example, from it, but the, it, you are almost dying inside you. Do you understand? So if it's not for you, be honest enough to say, the reason why I really am going after this thing is because Pray about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the true intent of your heart regarding this thing that you're pursuing, that you say you want. And if it's, if you come to the point where you realize that, no, it's not, I don't really want this thing. It's because of pressure. It's because, you know, I just want to belong. I don't want to feel left out, fear of missing out. Then you have to cut it. You have to cut it. You have to cut it. Cut the cord and say, no, 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 no. Someone asked you, I thought you were going after this. Yeah, I was, but I realized I don't really want it. And no further explanation required. Just move on and say no, because you keep pursuing something. Your heart is going to get sick because you're going after something. It's like you, you, a, a dog that's chasing its tail. How are you ever going to catch that? And the, the further it gets away from you, the more your heart gets sick. You don't want, especially for something that is not even yours in the first place. So cut. 
However, all right, if you assess the situation and say, is this something that I'm supposed to be, that I'm supposed to have in my life, right? Is this a non-negotiable, all right? Must it work? Is this something that has to work, right? Even though it looks as if I'm, I'm drowning at the moment, it is something that must work. So for example, health. You can't say, ah, well, um, you know, I, I can't, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to say, oh, I, I'm killing, I have a wonderful family. So for example, I, for me to say, oh, I have a, I have a wonderful family. My marriage is brilliant. I'm doing very well in my career. I'm impacting lives, but health, sha, it doesn't matter. No, that one is non-negotiable. All right. Or someone, you know, they're absolutely killing it at work that, but their marriage is in shambles. Or someone that has a beautiful marriage, but you know, money to rub together, right? You have dreams that you, you have things you want to do for your children, but you don't have the money to do it. So that's what I mean. Or you want to get married. These are non-negotiable. All right. So you separate the wheat from the chaff. Once you have the wheat and you see that, okay, this area that I'm struggling with, right? Uh, it is meant to be in my life. It is something that I'm meant to experience abundance in. All right. So we're now going to move forward with that. The second question is this. Once you've identified your wheat as in the things that you definitely need to focus on and you need to bring into abundance, there's a further question you need to ask. Is it something that I should be doing by myself? Is this, let me give you an example. So for example, um, in the Bible, Moses when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness, do you know that? Try and picture this. Millions of people. And Moses would sit from morning to night, from morning to night, judging the people, as in they would bring their disputes, as in millions of people. So let's even say, and we know that they were not a peaceful people. They were always complaining. You should go and listen to my um, the episode just before this one. They were complaining. They were grumbling kind of people, right? So I'm pretty sure there were many, many disputes that were brought to him. So let's even be a bit conservative. Let's say there were like a thousand people out of millions that wanted to see Moses in a day. Imagine that. From morning, in fact, from before the sun came up, so after the sun's gone down and he will sit and then Jethro, his father-in-law said, Moses, you won't last long. You will die. If you keep doing this, you will die. Did the people need someone to hear them? Yes. But did Moses himself have to do it? No. So Jethro said, find men, appoint them and put, you know, the spirit of God upon them so that you can, they can take this off your hands. So there's some things that are crucial, that are necessary, but you don't necessarily have to do it yourself. So I'll give you an example. In my own marriage, for example, um, I'm a numbers person, right? I did engineering. I love maths. I love numbers. I taught maths for 15 years, right? But when it comes to finances and sitting down, you know, doing budget, I, 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 as in when I was single, I had no choice. I had to do it, but I hated it as in with the passion. When it came to looking at my bank statements, I'm like, oh God, not again. I had to do it because I had, you know, come into an understanding that, listen, <laughs> this is something you have to do, but I did not enjoy it. I was, oh, I always dreaded it. I always dreaded it. But then I got married and for, you know, think from um, my experience of doing it, regardless, I just carried on doing it. My husband... 
he do, he didn't even ask about finances. He just put the money, put the money together, whatever it is. He never asked her, how did what what did we do with this one? Me, me, I was dying inside because I hate it. I'm you know, I absolutely hated it. And then it got to a point, right? I think we're just having a conversation or something. Or I, it got to the point where I was just like, I just stopped doing it because I, I didn't enjoy it. And I, oh, I'm not. So he'll be asking me, have you done the budget for this month? And, you know, have you looked at, you know, the, the whatever, how we, where the money went, the savings, and that, and I was like, uh, I, okay, I'll do it. I'll, I kept saying, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do. After a while, he just carried the thing by himself. And do you know what? He's so good at it and he enjoys it. He's so, so do we need to have our finances in order? Absolutely. So we can't just say, oh, you know, I'm just not going to do it. No, somebody had to do it, but it wasn't me. It wasn't me. We came to the point where I realized this is your strength. You enjoy doing it. I absolutely hate doing it. Let me go and face what is my own strength. And let me say this at this point, that is really what marriage is about. Marriage is strength and weakness coming together. So what you are strong in, your partner is most likely weak in. And what he is or she is strong in, you are most likely, you know, weak in. That's, so that is what the whole point of coming together is. So you are a support structure to help build each other up. So it doesn't mean if I'm weak in something that forever I never improve in it, but I have someone whose strength can help build me up in that area. Okay. So that's another example where it absolutely needed to be done, but did it have to be me that would do it? No. Look for people in your environment, right? That can, that you can, is this something that can be delegated? If the answer is yes, then delegate it. If the answer is yes, delegate it. If there's, if it's something that you do not have to do yourself, there's some things that you cannot outsource. You can't outsource your health. No matter how much you pay a personal trainer, you still, the personal trainer is helping you to do the exercise. You see, so you can't outsource that. You can outsource the meals. Somebody will cook your meals, but some things you can't. So there's do an assessment. This area of my life is non-negotiable. It has to be, I need to bring into abundance because that's God's will. But do I need to do everything myself? Assess it. If there are things that you can delegate prayerfully as the Holy Spirit to guide you to the people that you can outsource it to. People, the support structure that you can bring in that will take that load off you so that you can begin to focus on other things. So that's that's the one area. If it is something, so if the answer to that is, um, if, if it is something that you're absolutely supposed to be doing that you can't delegate, this is how you deal with that. You need to get support. Remember, it's about relationships. So the relationships will come in to either help you take it off your hands. The same way, I think it was the 70 elders. They came and they took that load off Moses' hands. And he could breathe again. He could spend time with God. He could all those things. And he, you know, he's, he, the guy lived to be 120, but probably died shortly after that if he hadn't changed, right? So if it's something that you have to do, and remember, it is not your, remember, we're not talking about your area strength. So you can't afford to be a lone ranger where you're struggling. You can be a lone ranger to an extent in your area of strength, like Elijah. Elijah, like he just needed to, you know, say no rain and there was no rain. He didn't need anybody. 
But in an area where you're struggling, don't allow Satan lie to you that you, you can do it alone. You can't do it alone. You cannot do it alone. You need people to come in either to help you, you know, take it off your hands or to help you build it to the point where you are able to do it. So I gave the example of health or weight loss, for example, right? You, if you are struggling in that area, stop trying to do it on your own. You need to bring people in that will help you the right support system. If you're struggling in your finances and you've been struggling and struggling and you know it's not an area of strength, stop saying, well, um, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, you know, just see how it goes. Your own situation is different from mine da, 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 and all these things that we say to ourselves. You need to partner with people that will help bring you out of that situation. The same way God said, Elisha, Jehu and Hazel were going to be a team and nothing would be able to get past them. He said, if anything gets past Jehu, Hazel would deal with it. If anything gets past Hazel, then Elisha would deal with it. A three-fold cord is not easily broken. Now, to round this up, I'm going to talk very quickly about the two kinds of support that you need to get. So once you want to identify something that you can't outsource it, right? So Moses could not outsource going to hear from God, for example, because God was speaking to him, then he would go and speak to the people. So once you've identified something that you need to do, right? You can't just dish it out to somebody to help you do it, right? Okay. Two kinds of support. The first thing you want to do is what I call passive support. You need passive support. And that's literally by surrounding yourself with people that are killing it in that area that you're struggling. I'll give you an example. Remember I mentioned that there was a point in my life where I was killing it in my career, you know, doing well in finances. I had a you know, wonderful child and everything. But marriage, I was, I was, I was like below, below zero. One of the first things I remember doing was I began to hang around people that were married, that had beautiful marriages. And I was, that in itself began to change my mindset. Do you understand? So that's an example of passive support. I would, I would, you know, some of my friends that were married, maybe from university, I would go and, you know, take Maxine, go and spend the weekend at their place and just laugh, just take in, just be taken in, you know, the, the atmosphere of, you know, being in a, a beautiful marriage and a loving home and, you know, observing a loving couple. Some people, they'll be too jealous to do that, to say, no, I can't do that. You know, eh. come up with all sorts of reasons to isolate themselves from the people that are killing it in an area that you're struggling in. No. Passive support. Just surround yourself with the right people. With the right people. People that are doing well financially and you know that they're savvy in their finances and they hang around them. Hang around. Have lunch. Just spend time with those kind of people. And, you know, because exposure brings promotion. It's doing something to the way you think. It's expanding your mind. It's expanding your mind. Is expanding your mind. Okay. And the other way, another kind of passive support is through books, uh, podcasts, just as, such as this. So you want to be able to expose yourself to different things that will help you along those lines. So that's passive support. Now, the next level after that, because a lot of times you can't just have passive support. Passive support will take you some of the way, but not all of the way. 
The next level of support that you need is active support, where you literally now partner with someone or a group of people for hands-on support, such as having a coach or an accountability partner, someone that will hold you accountable. Because remember, you're struggling in this area. It's not your area of natural strength. If you compare it with areas where you're killing it, the difference is massive. So you need someone that you can bounce ideas, someone that will hold you accountable. Someone that say, no, you are thinking of it the wrong way. Why don't you change the way you're looking at it? Someone that will be a third eye or a group of people. So that's active support. That is how you do it. That is how you bring every area of your life into abundance. The areas where you are killing it as well, you need to find people that are drowning and help them too. And help them come into, you know, a, a good degree of abundance, right? It doesn't mean that, you know, everybody is going to be experts in everything. But what we're saying is the way God has designed it is such that someone has a strength, you have a weakness, you're supposed to partner and then bring that person up. And then in your own area of weakness, you find someone to connect with. That is the system God has created. It is human beings that have created this idea and this world where we hide our weaknesses and we flaunt our successes and boast about them. There's nothing to boast about. You didn't give yourself the gift. It was a gift. It was a gift. It was a gift. It is never, all right, if it was never God's intention for any one of us to go it alone. God did not create people to be islands. You don't see it anywhere in the Bible where someone that God partnered with and achieved a good level of success that was alone. Daniel had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Esther had the eunuch to start with and then had Mordecai. Look throughout the Bible. Jesus had the women that I talked about, the disciples, throughout the Bible. Peter had James and all those other people throughout the Bible. So it is not God's intention that we should be lone rangers. It is not his intention. It was never his intention. So find the right people to link hands with so that strength is balanced out. When you link hands, if somebody is weak and you're strong, if you link hands with them, the strength becomes balanced. So you, your own strength sort of goes a little bit to hold them up and that strength that they lack brings them up so that it's balanced. That's how God wants it to be. You cannot say, oh, I'm killing it in this area and you're flaunting it so that everybody knows that nobody can really step up to you because you're just too bad. <laughs> By bad, I mean good. <laughs> No, that's not God's intention. All right. So that's what I've come to tell you today. And I will be back next week. Bye.